Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! This week I have Randy Lewandowski on. Randy's one of those people that you, you've seen everywhere all the time. Uh, again, a guy that uh, is also very helpful. Uh, I don't know if he's ever helped me. Whatever, but I'm sure he will one day. But uh, very knowledgeable guy. Again, a unique background, which I enjoy. I think I've had quite a few of those recently. I haven't had... There it is. I haven't had uh, the traditional background that I've, that I've had so many of in the past on the podcast. So... Uh, but a great interview, a great chat with him and, uh, apologies for the sound quality. That's nothing either of us could have helped. It just is what it is, you know? So, um, but, uh, I think you'll enjoy it regardless of kind of hearing the electricity running through the air. Right. Um, I, a couple of things. One is I'm about to, as I record this, uh, it's Saturday, but uh, on Sunday, I leave for Dallas for a few days. Yes, one of those days will be spent in another Texas A&M Commerce classroom, somewhat reluctantly, but um, uh, I will be in Dallas at the Gaylord, as most of you are probably figuring out. If I'm at the Gaylord, then it's probably thespian-related because we own that place. Yeah, yeah. Not literally, but, um, but, but we have our our thespian, our board retreat this week. So it's where we get together and plan out the year and not going to go into deets about it, but I'll just say that we got the agenda yesterday of, you know, what's covered and it is thorough. It is thick. There's a lot of information and there's, you know, you might think, guys, haven't you been doing this for years? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we have, and people much, much longer than I have, significantly, uh, with a lot more experience than I do. But uh, I can tell you that every year there's there's always a, a focus on what can we do better, right? So that's part of what the agenda is, a lot of uh, what can we do better, some, some uh, sort of adjustments we can make, whether they be small adjustments, big adjustments, whatever. And so we just have lots of discussions over that type of stuff and... Um, it's nice because the board has been sort of pared down a little bit. It's not as big as it used to be. That's not a knock on anybody. It's just uh, it'll be nice to sort of not feel like you have to welcome 150 opinions sitting around a table. It wasn't really 150. That's an exaggeration. But my point is is, is it'll be nice to feel a little more heard uh, this, this go around. So it's kind of the size that it was when I first started five years ago, six years ago. So, um, anyway, I honestly don't remember. It's not one of those things that people are like, I've been teaching for, I don't know. It feels like forever, but it's only been two weeks anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that should be fun. I'll report back next week, not with details because most of it is secret, but, uh, but yeah, I also wanted to quickly take a moment. I, I have this podcast and I'm allowed to use it however I want. And we're not really supposed to publicize that we're contest managers, right? Contest managers aren't supposed to go on Facebook or thread uh, and say, hey, if you need a contest manager, hit me up. But hey, if you need a contest manager, hit me up. You know, I can do that on my podcast, Freedom of Speech. So um, I've already got a couple of contests lined up for two rather large districts. Uh, 
And I'm excited about those, uh, but I can always do more, especially now that I am not in a classroom. Not that that has anything to do with contest managing, but I don't feel like I need to be around to make sure the children are getting the education. Now I can uh, go and contest manage whatever's. So hit me up, you know. I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. Contest managing is, if you've never been one or you're on the fence about being a contest manager, uh, 10 out of 10 recommend, you know, uh, 10 out of 10 recommend. It is a really fun time. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably about all I got. Uh, I believe we talked about my daughter being in a show last week. Uh, but yeah, she was in Shrek. Uh, I was crying for part of it because it's just, you know, when you lose both your parents and your grandkids don't get to experience their grandparents, uh, but so you're kind of like seeing all this stuff and you think about what would the grandparents say or how proud would they be, which my parents would be very proud of both my daughters. Uh, but you start thinking about that stuff and you get in your feels, right? And so uh, every little thing, it's, it's no joke that um, children make you more emotional, whether that be angry, sad, happy, whatever. The emotions are just heightened because of kids and especially when they're your own and so there I am in, in the tech booth just watching, and I'm starting to tear up. Nobody saw me, but, um, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. It happens all the time, and uh, I'm okay with it. I'm a man. I'm a man that's secure with my emotions. Uh, speaking of men that are secure with their emotions, uh, this week, again, Randy Lewandowski, uh, as I think he says in the interview, I think it's on the record. Whether it's on the record or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, this man is not slowing down. Uh, he is, he has no, uh, plans anytime soon to retire. And he's been doing this for quite some time and doing it at a, at a very high level. Not, um, he is not, um, you know, there's some people that complain about old guard, right? Let's get the old guard out so that the young guard can sort of start, uh, uh, maneuvering their way through and, and adapting and, uh, bringing in the, the new ideas, the new school ideas. Randy's old guard, but old guard with uh, new tricks, right? And and willing to adapt and change. And so I really enjoyed the conversation I had with Randy. Uh, let's keep him around. He's he's a national treasure. Not really, he's not national, but he's a local treasure for sure. He's a Texas state treasure. And again, I know you're going to enjoy this one. Everybody have a great week. Uh, stay cool. Try to stay cool. It's hot. It's hot out there. Can you be in hot, hot, hot? So, yeah. All right. That's enough of me. Uh, oh, and I hope everybody had a happy fourth. Whatever. I hate fireworks. You can go screw yourself, fireworks. Love you, Bobby. I am the oldest of my family. My father uh, was a teacher and, of course, is now retired. And um, I have a family full of educators. So um, I remember... Growing up, my dad was an English teacher and watching him night after night grade papers until the odd numbers of the morning. I wasn't up then, but I remember him doing that a lot. And I thought, I don't ever want to be an English teacher. <laughs> I don't really want to do that kind of thing. But <clears throat> yet at the same time, um, I kind of found myself um, kind of, um, I guess, excuse me, um, <clears throat> going through a process of saying, you know, maybe that's my calling is to be a teacher. And um, 
when I was in high school, I, um, as a freshman, I was five foot two and I weighed 98 pounds and I was not really what you would call the towering moment or uh, of impression of any sort, you know, and, and I think just as a lot of high school kids do, um, you know, struggle to try to find themselves. And uh, my dad said, well, why don't you try this speech thing? And I thought, hmm, I, I guess I'll, I'll try it. You know, I mean, I, I, I was kind of really average, if you want to call it that, about everything. My dad was um, a track coach. Um, you know, I, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the brightest. I wasn't this or wasn't that. I mean, but I could do all of those things to um, a minor level of competence. But eventually I found this, this ability to be able to, to, um, to tell stories. And, and, um, and so I, I did that. That's what was my focus in high school. I found myself some level of success in being able to do that. And, um, and then um, when I graduated from, from high school, um, I got a scholarship and went to a small college called Shadron State College. It's in the northwestern part of Nebraska. Uh, and growing up in Nebraska, of course, is a very uh, rural area. So my exposure to having access to theater was not, not a whole lot. Let me put it that way. My dad, being an English teacher as he was, also was... Um, relegated to doing plays. And that was kind of my, my introduction as I remember growing up, you know, him giving, you know, and directing. And so that kind of um, was a thing that, that drew me a little bit into theater. And um, uh, when I got the scholarship to go to Shadron, I um, began giving speeches and doing those things competitively as I had done in high school. But that wasn't the primary focus of their department. That was just a kind of a side gig, if you want to call it that. And so um, I, I made my focus to be an actor. And um, I, I did all the things that, that, that you need to do in order to audition and be in plays and that sort of thing. And um, I enjoyed doing those things, but I never really got any um, um, major roles. Um, I, I did some summer theater at uh, the Post Playhouse. It's in Fort Robertson, which is in Crawford, Nebraska. And, um, and then I also was at the Black Hills Playhouse in, in South Dakota up near uh, Custer State Park and uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, I, I, I kind of fell into this, this notion of out of accident almost uh, in, um, in, in learning and, and, and being kind of the star of, of, of technical theater when I was in college and it kind of led me down that road. And it's kind of ironic, you know, I believe that, you know, God has ordained me to, to do the things that I do and, and, and hopefully, you know, I can do them and, and honor him. And, and that's kind of my, my mantra, that's the, that's my, how I believe that's how I live my life. Um, and so when I was 12, 
uh, my dad wanted to build a house. And so I helped him build a house. And when I was in high school, I took drafting courses. And I also um, learned um, about carpentry because I, I like doing those things. And, um, and, and so when I went to Shadron, I already had those skill sets. And so I started doing those things and it's just seemed like those were the things that I was meant to do. I learned to do some design work and, and, um, and that's kind of what led me to that. Um, I then student taught, took me five years and, and a summer, actually two summers to, to graduate. And it wasn't because I was failing classes or anything like that. I ended up with two majors, but anyway, um, I, I ended up um, graduating student teaching. And then uh, the place where I student taught at was in Torrington, uh, Wyoming, which was very close to where I grew up uh, since I lived in Morrill, Nebraska, which is about eight miles from Wyoming. That was uh, uh, an opportunity for me. I got a job in 1982. Uh, believe it or not, 1982, you say. Yeah, believe it or not, this is going to be my, um, this year will be my 40th year of teaching high school at some level. Uh, so um, I, and, and you know, a lot of times people ask, well, you know, aren't you ready to retire? Aren't you, you know, like tired of doing what you're doing? And honestly, I can answer, no, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing. I, I can't see myself retiring and then picking up odd jobs with this and that when I just really like what I'm doing. Every, every show that, that uh, we create is, is a new adventure to me and, and I learn stuff from it. And, you know, I, I commonly tell my students, you know, because of technology and all that offers there, I know less this year than I knew before about technical theater because of all the advances that are taking place in this exponential journey and technology and how that's being integrated into theater technology. So anyway, um, in, I, 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 um, when I was uh, in Torrington, uh, I got married. Um, I had three children. And then in 2000, um, I got a divorce, which was a terrible thing for me to go through a very dark period of my life. But Anyway, I was able to get through all of that and, and, and uh, kind of a, a strange journey that I took to get from Wyoming to Texas. And what drew me there was through all of this chaos that I had created or, or that has had happened through my divorce. Um, so in 2005, I ended up in Texas and, um, and I was teaching in Clear Creek ISD. And um, I really enjoyed teaching in South Houston. It's a NASA school. Uh, it was wonderful. I had an opportunity then to go to the northern part of Houston. Then I bounced around a little bit. I went to South Texas for a little bit. And then the last uh, 11 and a half years, I've been in Wiley. And, and each one of those journeys have taken me someplace where I've learned and someplace where I've asked, you know, God, please help me. You know, I want to be able to do the things you want me to do, that sort of thing. And so, so ultimately here I am 
doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I, I live now in Allen, Allen, Texas. And um, my, my wife and I had got remarried. My wife and I um, had a house. Uh, we had a, a, a child that from um, Tina's marriage that um, was living with us. And so we decided we wanted to downsize our house. So we moved to a place that was within our budget, but yet a small, we moved from a 3,800 square foot house to um, an 1,800 square foot house. So we lived in Allen and uh, there was an opportunity that came up in the middle of the school year. And this was a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, I talked to my colleagues in Wiley and I said, you know, would you be okay if I applied for a job in Allen? Uh, would that be all right with you if I did that and then took this job if they were to mm -hmm. offer it to me? And they said, well, you know, if this is what you want to do, then go ahead and go after it. And so I did, and which was kind of a strange thing, but I just thought, I just felt moved that I should do this and uh, really convicted to be able to do this. And so I went through the whole interview process and, you know, and then um, a year and a half ago, I had worked with this the two colleagues, beautiful artists, uh, Renee Harris and Leanne Unkenholtz, are the two people I work with in Allen. Um, Allen, I think, still favors itself or calls itself to be the largest high school in the state of Texas. Uh, I think 9 through 12, it has about 6,000 students. Uh, it's a, a one uh, school district, high school district. So they have a ninth grade academy with two teachers there. And um, I had this opportunity to work in this beautiful, beautiful facility. Um, so and that kind of brings me up to, to, to date, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Alan is huge. <laughs> yeah. To, to confirm that Alan is a massive school, but um, so just, I don't want to age you, but I was born in 82. So, uh, <laughs> just, uh <-huh. laughs> so, you yeah. know, I'm, you know, I feel old yeah. at some, some points. So, yeah. uh, no, I understand. I, I, I had a drawing out and I was working with Andrea Farnham. I don't know if you know who Andrea is. Uh, she's now teaching in one of the Garland schools. Okay. And, and I had this drawing that was explaining how to do platforming. And I pulled this out. And she says, oh, that's a nice drawing. And I said, yeah, it's older than you. <laughs> she says, oh, no, it can't be. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I think it might be. And I showed her the date on the, you know, on the, the below box of it. And she says, yeah. Yeah. That's so, funny. Well, uh, good for you for, for sticking around so long. Now, you mentioned that, you know, each show is a new story, new challenge. Uh, yeah. have, you, have you repeated shows during your career? Some okay, a little okay. bit. In fact, uh, uh, this year I did. We we produced um, uh, Shrek the musical, okay. and it was a musical that we that I had done uh, about six years earlier at Wiley. Okay. Um, uh, when I did it at Wiley, Wiley's trim height is uh, for the proscenium is sixteen feet two inches. Oh. 
and um, and it spans about forty eight feet wide. Sure. Typical, right? But Allen's Theater, um, the proscenium height is thirty feet. Yeah. And it spans about sixty feet wide. So when you put, um, I had a student, uh, or actually it was Aaron Martin who does okay. some beautiful work with foam design in there. Yep. He's, I went to uh, the thespian conference before all of this started to happen. He says, I, you're doing Shrek. He says, I've got this beautiful set. And I said, I know I've seen pictures of it, you know, on your website. And I said, but the problem is it's only eight feet tall, you know, <laughs> and on that stage, you know, it just would make it minuscule, yeah. you know? So, you know, um, so most of the castle, for example, the main part of the set was 12 feet tall. Right. <clears throat> and even then it didn't really look 12 feet tall when you get out, you um, see it with the scale of everything. So, yeah, I mean, every time I've done it, I've done it differently. It, it's always a new thing. Yes. Right. To answer your question. Did, so when you, when you do that, uh, when you repeat a show, uh, do you intentionally try to not rehash what you've already done? I build from what I already did. Okay. Okay. So I'll take other stuff that I did. It helps me because then I go, well, I got, I got to do this. Yeah. I got to do this. I got to do that. Right. Cause that, those things I've already gone through that journey. I can't do them the same way. And sometimes I don't want to do them because they, they weren't that good. Right. <laughs> you know, something like that, you know? So, or, or, or there wasn't enough money. You know, when I did Shrek at, uh, Wiley High School, I had a translucent drop that we painted, um, which is kind of like a two-sided drop. So when you light from the back of it, it changes the scenery from the front of it. Right. Okay. And um, I mean, we I, I, Wiley, I think, still has that drop. But right. to put it on that stage, we can't rent drops at Allen because most of them are the highest, tallest ones are 22 feet. Right. So that's, that becomes a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, uh, what you know, you've been teaching for a while now, um, and technology has changed. That's uh-huh. an under, that's an understatement. What what do you find? And maybe maybe there are a couple of answers to this, but what have you kind of found that has been the biggest change? I don't want to say a challenge to you, but the like sort of the biggest change that you have had to apply to your teachings and your classroom and just how you go about business right um technical theater has the spectrum of what you need to be able to do to produce a play right options are now moving so far linear so many different things uh when uh, 40 50 years ago you didn't see a lot of projection i mean you have a lukenbach projector and a robert hull stage that kind of thing but it wasn't you just you didn't see projection right or uh, or projection mapping and all of that kind of stuff but i think that the biggest thing has been lighting right i mean lighting is so vastly it's completely different um we did a show when i was in college called stop the world i want to get off (laughs) and it's a big 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 light show right there's hardly any set and I remember running the light board for that show. We had two people. There was a five-set preset that we had on the light board. And so one person would use a pencil and would manipulate the 
fourth or fifth scene down the road and I would be running the other scenes. All right. But now, <laughs> I mean, it's so, so vastly different. Yeah. Well, then what it was when, when I was a freshman, <laughs> we would tell um, other freshmen to go get gel because it really was gel then, <laughs> colored yeah. paper that you put in front of the lens. And we would tell them, now these gels are dirty, so we want you to go over there and wash them. And then we would kind of like, you know, hide somewhere so we could watch them as they, you know, as they washed the gel and they dissolved into yeah. their hands, you know, that kind of <laughs> thing. And the horror and surprise, you know, <laughs> upon their face when we did that. But I mean, I mean, there's those kinds of things. And now we, you know, LED lights and, and, uh, you know, uh, intelligent lights don't use uh, any color right. uh, that you have to put in there. You might use something else, but yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing because there's so much information, you know, uh, sound design has become so vastly different than what it was before. I, I don't think for myself, I can't be an expert on all those fields and there are very rarely few people not many. I would say you could count them on your hand. How many in one hand? How many people can do all of those things and do them really well? It just doesn't happen. So yeah. you end up you end up um, um, contracting with other people, professionals, to help you with that. Right. But the downside of that is the contractors aren't necessarily geared or set up to teach our students those things. So they're going to prosecute the things that they need to do to do their show, but they doesn't. But there's not as much learning that happens for right. them. Well, shameless plug. That's why I've gone to Covenant. That's literally going to be my job: is uh, the the coming into a, a, an environment and helping students and teachers. And with 13 years of education under my belt, it you know I can speak. The language and and understand the patience that is needed sometimes right. to go with that so yeah i uh, mean i'm looking right now at figuring out well who am i going to have that's going to help us with our lighting design i already have somebody already set up yeah to do uh, some of our sound design stuff because there's just so many things and and the theater that that I, that we're using the the performing arts center is so vastly large yeah i don't think one technical director is enough right just so much yeah especially for a musical right what uh what other shows do you i mean at allen uh, it's a little different uh but like what are you used to producing over a school year as far as shows are concerned i obviously i'm assuming one act play and it sounds like a musical uh what else do you typically do throughout yeah, the year yeah that's pretty stock is two shows yeah um we normally do a fall show Okay. All right. And then uh, we do, uh, for example, this summer, just before that, to precurse that, this year is our inaugural uh, technical theater workshop gotcha. for theater students that are Allen ISD students. So the last week of July, they're going to learn how to do all of those mechanisms. And we have like six different teachers that are going to be teaching that. But after we're done with that, then the idea of it is that fluidity should help us then to move right into our fall show in September. Right. We're doing Gossamer. Okay. So we do that. And as we're doing Gossamer, we're getting ready for um, creative dramatics, which is a children's element that we're gearing okay. up for. And, and that's a big endeavor because we're trying to involve, uh, you know, um, elementary students and that sort of thing to give them 
kind of a flavor of that stuff. And then, and, and we have a theater day that these kids get a chance to see what's going on with the fall show. Then we do the musical, right? And we're, we're, we're often at them. I mean, like a week after we're done with the fall show, we're into the musical season. Right. And in the middle of the musical season, we cast for the one act play. And then after the one act play is done, then there's all of these class projects that start to appear. And as we start to develop it, that into an, a spectrum of things, there's going to be other shows. But right now, there's probably three shows, okay. primary big shows that we do. So you you sort of loosely mentioned these things, but I want you to elaborate a little bit. But you mentioned sort of your why, right? You mentioned your faith. You mentioned uh, the 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 challenge that each show individually brings. Right. Um, but you've been doing this 40 years. You don't have a plan to retire. So I want you to kind of elaborate, unpack that a little bit more with with what what is your why? What is it that gets you excited on the day-to-day basis? Uh, you know, it sounds yeah. like you have these things lined up throughout the, your school year that kind of keep you looking forward to the future. Uh, but I want you to elaborate on that because there's, there's a lot of burnout happening currently, you know, uh, with, with educators, not just theater educators, but just educators in general, but then coming across an, a, a sort of an inspirational story like yourself where you don't, burnout isn't even probably in your vocabulary. So uh, speak on, um, unpack that a little bit. Okay. Um, I mentioned before when I was um, going to high school, how the notion of being able to find myself feeling good in my skin, who am I? And being able to give kids that opportunity as, as a student who comes to us a lot of times, they're not really all that interested in theater. They're there to pick up an hour so that they can graduate for this or that reason. And so being able to get them to seeing them have some level of success is really important to me. Um, and, and, and when I teach technical theater classes, we try to do that with the notion of they are part of our theater program. They are as important as anybody else in our theater program after school, because without them, we simply could not do everything that we do. And, and kids learn those particular skills. They gain some self-confidence and satisfaction in doing that. And it's kind of like watching the corn grow. I'm from Nebraska, so I got to throw in that, right? But, but it's really kind of like that. You see kids develop and you see them catch their own whoever they are and gain confidence and being able to lead others. And, and um, to me, that's my why. I mean, I, sometimes uh, it might not necessarily even be kids that are going to go into theater, but they, they, they find themselves, they feel better about themselves and, and who they are and what they are. And, and, um, and as a person that, that to me really resonates as to, you know, what I do and why I do right. what I do. So what do you, where, if, if I were to come see one of your shows, where are you during the show? Um, usually I'm, 
I don't like to, I never backstage unless something goes yeah. wrong. Okay. I just don't like to hang out there unless there's something that I have to do. I want, I want the, it to be the kids show. Right. So I will often be in the back of the house along the back wall, you know, um, dealing with people that might not be all that interested in theater. Sometimes <laughs> there's a few of those. Yeah. So you get rid of the little knotheads and, <laughs> you yeah. know, they go somewhere else, but really that, that's, that's a rare thing, yeah. honestly, but that's usually where I'm at is back. Yeah. There. I only, I only ask cause it sounds like you train your kids to take the, take the reins and, I, and I, yeah. Yeah. I prefer that more than anything. Yeah. It's not about me. Yeah. I've already done all of that. Yeah. So I'm really am more interested in seeing what they can do and how they can do it and being able to be designers and, programmers of various different types or sorts, you know, or painters, you know, I, I want to see that happen for them. Yeah. And uh, they are able to become part of something much bigger than themselves. And that magical moment when they feel that synergy about that, it it's, it's the theater bug, man. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so I, I want to, spin it a little bit this is you do a little 180 you mentioned that you were uh in clear creek with uh nasa kids uh so you know in the in the state of texas we're used or in parts of the state of texas you know we're used to like we've got oil kids and we've got energy kids and we all that kind of stuff i don't know if everybody uh knows what a nasa kid is or a nasa family um i want you to explain that and then the second part of that question is did you get any perks for uh, teaching <laughs> uh, kids that that had connections to uh, literally connections to space? Well, there's a, a road that you take when you um, get off of I-45 in Houston, and it's Highway Two, and it's called NASA yeah. Highway Two, and it is literally the NASA space. Uh, station you know i mean houston we have a problem that's where that is and they have you know lots of things that you know are going on and you know that sort of thing so that's really you know what i mean by that is is just that it's a a a location you know like that yeah uh did you did you get any perks for teaching some nasa kids i don't even know if they were nasa kids (laughs) i can tell you this you that, just, it's just it, the location. Yeah. The location. And the interesting part was there were very few apartments because ah. this area was all developed in the 19, late 1960s. Yeah. NASA and was really building their thing. So there's all of these homes and there's not a lot of apartments or anything like that. <laughs> have you been, I, have you been back since you've left? Uh, to visit. Okay. I just yeah. didn't know if you had seen because it's developed significantly, uh, yeah. yeah, since that time. But yeah, you know, I mean, I've driven by there a year ago. I went to Galveston, okay. so I had to drive through there to, okay. to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's changed quite a bit. So, uh, yeah. well, good for you. So, uh, have you been? You mentioned also early in your kind of journey that you did acting. Um, have you ever had the urge or the sort of desire to dive back into that or to like show off to the kids to say, 
you know, I, I, I don't just build and, and do, I can also be, you know? Yeah. When I, when I was doing stuff at Clear Creek, I was actually a director. I was okay. hired to be a technical director and I directed the musical and we were doing Beauty and the Beast. All right. So these kids did know me from Adam. Right. Well, I just came down there. I was, you know, their star, that kind of thing and all of that. So, you know, um, when I left there and when I was at Wiley and I'm in my little theater cave, you know, building Bob the Builder kind of thing, um, then we would do our one act play. And uh, uh, the director that I worked with was a female. So a lot of times uh, uh, the director might ask me, you know, is there something that you can help me with, with this or that? Maybe it, it had to do with, you know, some actor that, male actor or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, I would go and I would say, okay, now do this. But, you know, and they weren't quite trusting because they, I didn't have any rapport with them. I mean, they knew who I was, but, you know, then they, and then I would explain why and that sort of thing. And uh, they'd give it a try. Okay. Sometimes they would do those things. Usually as they get to know me, they, they've learned that, you know, that's something they can usually trust. Right. But, Typically, oftentimes, at the very beginning, that, that's some a rapport, some level of credibility that I have to kind of establish. You know, right. this is that, yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, as far as being in a play or anything like that, I mean, I've done some community play stuff. But, gosh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So I haven't really done that. And I really don't have a lot of time right. other than the summer to do something like that. Uh, and during the summer, what do you, like, what is it that you do other than these sort of get the kids ready? I mean, I know this is new for Alan, but, uh, what do you typically do or do you just kind of, yeah. uh, you know, get, well, separate yourself from everything? Yeah. Um, I attended the maestro workshop okay. that Garcia, uh, presented and, and Renee Harris, a uh, wonderful artist incredibly talented lady is part of our our theater department and, and is our our theater head for Alan. And she said, hey, do you want to go with me? I'm going to <coughs> go to this workshop and do this maestro thing. And I had <coughs> others who had worked there before. And I said, yeah, I'll go there. I didn't really have anything, really expect anything out of it. I mean, maybe I'll get something out of it that I can use. But I thought of it maybe as a minor detail, but that was really quite enlightening. And, you know, I'm putting my plug in for, for uh, the Maestro uh, workshop. It is definitely something that's very design oriented because it's script driven. So that's kind of cool. So I did that. And, you know, I've gone, I went to Southern Oregon University and learned about using software called VectorWorks, which is a, a computer-aided drafting project software, all right? So I can do things in two-dimensional and three-dimensional um, uh, manner. In fact, I was just working before you called on Vectorworks because I um, was working on um, a show that Wiley East is going to do. Um, Wiley East asked me if, if I would help them with uh, designing some platforming. Uh, because this person knew that, you know, I had done that and usually do a pretty good job at that. 
So I said, sure. So that's what I was working on was, was that. So I do those things. And, and, and of course, my, the whole notion of all of this is planning, right. you know, getting everything ready to go. What's the whole show going to look like? You know, and hopefully I can get some basic concepts figured out. Of course, calendar stuff has already been taken care of for the most part, but there's tweaking, you know, and getting uh, some of the contractors lined up and and that I need to work with. I'm, I'm doing that, you know. Um, so I'm never really completely out of it. I mean, I'm out of it. But yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> different type. Yeah. Different type yeah. out of it. Uh, yeah. That's funny. Well, uh, I want to get you out of here on this. Um, you've you've been doing this for a while now, uh, the teaching thing, not the podcast thing. And, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, burnout is a very uh, big problem right now around yeah. Texas, around, uh, yeah. you know, just in education in general. Uh, so you already kind of talked about uh, your, your why and all this kind of stuff. But what I want you to kind of do is... Um, is, is maybe put on, you know, I'm sure you get called coach or you have been called coach many times. Cause any, any male that teaches in Texas is typically, uh, viewed as a, a coach, right? So I want you to pretend that you're a coach right now and you're giving a pep talk to, uh, theater teachers and educators in general, and you don't need to yell and scream or curse or, you know, we don't need to put our hands in and count to three. Uh, <laughs> none of that. But, uh, you know, I know that you're, based on what the hat you're wearing right now, you're uh, a Cornhusker fan or at least you pretend to be on TV. Uh, so you've seen some some coaches, some pretty dang good ones. Uh, give, give kind of a pep talk to uh, as to like, hey, it's okay – you know, Summerfest is happening as we speak right now. You had uh, yeah. Maestro Camp, which I've had Rick Garcia on, and I've been to uh, his place to, to record that, and it's beautiful and uh, can understand the why behind why he is so successful with that. Give kind of a pep talk as to what it is that teachers need to do and educators need to do to kind of get through these kind of tough uh, couple of moments and just see the uh, grass being greener on the other side, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever hyperbole you want, uh, what you got for that? Yeah. Um, some people are drawn to remain in teaching because of the old proverbial golden handcuffs, the notion that they can't retire, they can't afford to retire. And there's some truth to that, you know, understanding that, you know, uh, is there enough money to go around? Am I going to outlive you know, the thing, the, the, the monies that I have set aside for, you know, retirement and that sort of thing. So there's, there is certainly a reason to, to remain in there with that. But my biggest reason, I mean, I, I could retire now. I'm pretty sure I could. Uh, and, and be vested in, in the Texas retirement system and that, but I'm not ready to be done with theater in the sense of working with students. I still feel that God wants me to be around to do some more things. And, um, you know, it's hard because, you know, um, it, it, it's kind of ironic in a way because um, when I came to Allen, the lady that I replaced left 
in the middle of the year in October. And Renee and Leanne were left with no one to teach and cover their classes. And they had a, a person there just to maintain decorum and take attendance, you know, and I was able to fill in and do those things. But, you know, the amount of stress that that put those two under was just incredible, you know, and I can understand, you know, you know, those notions. I, when I, um, when COVID hit the following year, I decided because at that time, my 78 year old father at that time, 78 years old was living with us. And I thought, you know, the school district has given me an opportunity to teach remotely. So I'm going to teach remotely and, and, and petition to do that. And I was able to do that. No problem. My father's no longer living with me. No. And ironically, I was the one of three teachers in my school district in Wiley that it ended up getting COVID, <laughs> you know? So how ironic I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm sequestered into a room. I, I go to school and I teach in front of a computer screen and I, you know, God bless you all that have to be able to do that because I tell you what, there's, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I've taken long distance satellite courses, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, there's a, this checkout moment that you're not really, it's a different kind of learning. You have to really be motivated to learn, to be able to do that more so than anything, just because there's not that immediate interaction. There's not the ether between you and the teacher. And I think that that's the thing that that makes education work is, is the ether that you have with the student. You know, it's all about relationships. I think you've heard that a few times, you know, uh, just learning to know them as students and as people and not being concerned about whether they pass or fail or whether they become part of becoming a stellar star in technical theater, whatever that is, but just accepting them for who they are and understanding them and dealing with the plight of all the stuff that they got to deal with. You know, I think the hardest part about teaching isn't necessarily the classroom. Most teachers, well, those that even retire will tell you, it's not the classroom that's the culprit for me wanting to leave. It's either money, I'm just not making enough. You know, um, my salary isn't keeping up with inflation. So there's that. Um, but I, I'm, I think a lot of teachers don't do it for the money anyway. But there's still that. You still have to pay the bills. But, you know, I think that, you know, teachers knowing, you know, what are they going to do when they leave? Uh, where are they going to be? Are they going to be doing clinics and workshops somewhere? Are they going to go work, um, you know, at HEB? You know, we got a new HEB that's right now going to be right across from Allen High School believe it or not. So we're kind of excited about that. But no, I'm not, I don't, I'm not planning to be a grocer, you know, or a florist or, but I know teachers that say, all I want to do is just bag groceries. I don't, I want something that's repetitive and that, you know, and, and once they're out, so many times teachers live to regret that, you know, because they left a little bit too early. 
I think. I really think so. And I can understand why, because they feel that, well, I still have my health. I still have all of that. So, you know, I want to, I want to leave and be able to do those things. Right. But for me, I just, I just feel compelled to be in the classroom and hopefully make a difference. You know, and that's, that's what I hope that teachers are able to take away is, you know, that same kind of notion. Minor wisdom.